Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. G'day and welcome to the Pod Pod, talking all things AFL fantasy. And on to our final of the team previews, we're talking about the Premiership Pies and these fantastic songs by Marmalade. Have taken us all the way through our team previews. A massive thank you to Marmalade, to DJ Checkers, Louis, your former housemate, of course, um, joined by his former housemate now. Lou, he's got something special going on, old uh, DJ Checkers, this weekend. And we'd like to thank uh, him for obviously allowing us to use those songs throughout all our team previews. So if you are Melbourne-based, head down to Victoria Park, Sunday, 11th of February, 10.30 to 11.30 a.m. Checkers is going to be there. The Div 12 Resis teaming up with Tom Mitchell as well. So they're doing... A little initiative to make pre-season friendly for everyone. So head down to Victoria Park if you are Melbourne-based and uh, enjoy that. But thanks very much to DJ Checkers. Lou, there have been some bangers that we've uh, that we've heard this pre-season. Yeah, mate, absolutely love it. Uh, like I said in a few podcasts ago, I still got PTSD of uh, hearing it all at about four in the morning when uh, Checkers was working absolutely around the clock to punch those things out in time for the grand final. And uh, well, they they do they do get a very good run at the uh, at the Ramsgate. <laughs> yeah, they sure do. Uh, we're talking the Collingwood Magpies though, and uh, I want to thank both of you guys for joining us. I've also got two time top ten hat winner John Harmy on this episode as well. Harmy, we are finally at the end of our team previews here. Yes, yeah. Thanks, uh, Dosby. And uh, I guess getting ready to go back-to-back with your fantasy uh, championship, finishing first overall last year. Well, yeah, oh, didn't, didn't oh, that's quite right. play out the way. The premonition <laughs> didn't come true, did it? Didn't quite come true. But uh, no, the Magpies, this is, this is all about the Magpies this episode. We're talking about them from a fantasy perspective. So let's jump straight into it and get into some of the team numbers from last year. As we know, Pies fans will be happy about this one first on the ladder and, of course, won the flag. But from a fantasy perspective, ninth for AFL fantasy scoring, their key numbers, fourth for tackles, and oh, sorry, fourth for tackles and number one for tackle differential there. So getting way more tackles than their opposition. Number one for intercept mark differential and mark on lead differential. So we're taking more mark, more intercept marks than their opponent and also getting those marks on the lead out in front. Um, all their expected score ratings, which is something I haven't really spoken about too much during these team previews, but looking at how they, they did their work best. I'm not 100% on top of this expected score stat, but from my understanding, it's basically your shot difficulty and how well you convert from those chances. 
But basically, they they were right up there on all those things. So they essentially took good shots, made the most of their opportunities. They were also number one for goal accuracy. Won the flag, Lou. Can the Pies, first of all, go back to back? But more importantly, from our fantasy perspective, is anyone outside of Nick Dacos going to present premium value in that top six to eight category? Oh, mate, they probably can go back to back. It's been two seasons now where they've proven that they can win in the intense moments. So uh, obviously you win a flag based on your finals experience and getting it done and they've uh, they've proven that for, for the best part of two years now. So yeah, potentially. Uh, in terms of fantasy relevance, uh, probably not outside of Nick Dacos. There's not a whole lot and that was something that's been a bit of a shock to the system in previous years under... Uh, Craig McRae, uh, obviously when Nathan Buckley was coach, it was a much higher kick mark game, uh, really uh, sort of resulted in some quite high fantasy scoring. And I think we've seen it collectively drop with some of those players that were able to put up big numbers, all bar Nick Dacos, which if you've uh, ever watched a Pies game, it's no surprise why with just how hard he works from contest to contest. It really seems like he is the gel in between that side and it's clearly working for them. So I'm I'm expecting that to probably continue. Let's look at their trade period and see what change. Not a heap, obviously. Don't need to do too much when you are at the top. But their trade-ins, they brought in Lockie Schultz. So uh, a bit of Kevin Durant in the NBA vibes there coming in after the flag win uh, for Lockie Schultz. But uh, no, he's come across from Fremantle. The outs, Jack Ginevan out. Taylor Adams out as well. Unfortunately, wasn't a part of the premiership side there. Taylor Adams, a long servant of Collingwood, but he's off to Sydney as well. The buy round. Harmy, you're back to our buy round expert for this one. Obviously, the Stato's not on this episode. Also, Holmesy retiring early from the final team preview. He's done a lot of those as well. But Collingwood yeah. play the opening round, meaning they've got the round five buy and the round 15 buy. Yeah, so that round five by they share with the Swans. So I guess you'll have to just be conscious about how many players you'd be looking to take in. And if people are keen on Brody Grundy and uh, some other picks there, I guess I'm fairly keen on a James Jordan too. So you just got to be wary about how many you're willing to take um, in that same round. Then they move on to the round 15 uh, buy as well with quite a few fantasy-relevant teams. I think Stato has spoken about that before because they share that one with the Crows, Hawks, um, Tigers, Saints, Bulldogs. So quite a few fantasy-relevant teams on that. So again, you need to consider um, you know, what premium plays you're willing to um, have. But let's just have a look at that. We talked about the round five and talked about that round 15, but what's the benefit then um, for that? is that they play round zero, right? And they play against the Giants, which could be a sort of fairly fantasy-relevant um, fixture. So we can see that. And if uh, anybody you like pumps a big score, that might influence your decision about whether to start them in round one or not. Okay. I do like that little bit of context there as well. Let's get into the popular picks for the Pies. There's only two people over 10% owned, Louie, and of course one is the work rate machine you mentioned. Only just missed out on a Brownlow medal. Perhaps should have been should have had one around his neck after his amazing year last year. 50% owned is Nick Dacos, defender mid-status, 109 average, 982,000 bucks. That's a high ownership percentage for a team with the opening round, but he might well be worth it. 
Yeah, and he's a player that I think a lot of coaches are scared of both in both directions. Uh, if he does outperform his price and absolutely brains it while you don't own him, and conversely, if you do own him and he does uh, regress a little bit based on a couple of things that we'll uh, chat about in a bit. But curious, boys, are you Nick Dacos owners uh, this year? Is he currently in your sides? Have he, has he spent a lot of time in your sides? Do you think he will make the line for you? He's not in mine and that he hasn't been all preseason, Louis, but let's talk to a man who's been there two times in the top 10 and see where, where harm he's at. I'm sure he will be at some point in the season, Lou, but I'm, I am not keen to start him and I have not been keen the entire preseason. So probably a bit different to some people, but his price point um, and the, that early buy um, are both uh, negatives for me. Yeah, we know what how good Nick Dacos is, so I don't think we need to talk about it too much. But I know I don't know if you guys can remember. I think it was last season uh, where a lot of people went out and picked Sam Doherty, and he was priced at about one hundred and ten. And one of the main reasons for that was because he was uh, at the time we were thinking he's just so much better than all our other options. He could outperform them by ten points, and we want a little piece of that. And uh, with Nick Dacos, the the turnoff here is definitely the buy. Otherwise, I think pretty much every single coach would have him in their sides. But if Nick Dacos can hit the ground running, and let's say he goes 10 to 15 points above the rest of the competition, at least as uh, defensive eligible players, then by the time he does come to that round five buy, he's pretty much made up the difference compared to he's pretty much made up the difference of the game that he's missing as well as the emergency player that you're having coming on for that game so I think the the amount of points lost in the long term if all things were to go fine is probably a little bit uh, overstated but where I'm seeing the trend is that coaches are really worried about that tag and I think there's a lot of reason to be boys so uh, if I'm looking at their fixture, they've got the Sydney Swans round one, St Kilda round two, Brisbane three, and Hawthorne four, and uh, then has the bye and comes into Port Adelaide. So uh, those teams worry me for a couple of different reasons, boys. Uh, Saints in round two, Winhager is apparently training in the midfield and he's training on Jack Steele. So that gives me... A little bit of a inkling into thinking that, okay, well, maybe Marcus Winhager potentially plays a little bit of a tagging role. We know how fit he is at the moment. I think he just absolutely dominates the the time trials at the Saints. And we know that that's definitely Nick Dacos's bread and butter is that he's able to run off of players and, and pretty much punish them on the other end because they can't keep up. So that's flag number one, round two, when he's priced at probably the highest magic number that there is because we do know that it goes up post round one uh then he comes into the lions which we spoke about dunkley on the last podcast he's not much of an attack he's not much of a tagger but he is that accountable midfielder so just maybe a smaller flag there then hawthorne is the big one uh he comes into finn mcginnis and last season that is what really burnt coaches because we saw what he was able to do in the preseason there. Dossie, I don't know if you've got the numbers on what Nick Dacos scored, nah, but uh, it was in the 40s. It was really grim and uh, it convinced a lot of coaches that that was going to be a sign of things to come. It actually wasn't and it really hurt coaches on the other end. And I think that's sort of 
really fills the fire of why coaches this year are so scared not to start him. But this time round, he meets potentially if he's named Finn in round four. Uh, and we did see in season last season in round 21 that Finn went to him and was keeping him really quiet. Unfortunately, Dacos did get injured in that game, so the data maybe isn't as rock solid as we'd like, but probably the biggest flag nonetheless. Then he has the bye, and one thing uh, I haven't really seen mentioned is that Port Adelaide don't mind running a tag either, and that would probably be a Willem Drew. So to come out of that with another poor score would be a bit of a disaster when you're when you're selecting a player priced at 110. Dacos got 58 fantasy points in the preseason um, game that I think you're alluding to because I just looked it up. It was on DT Talks numbers still there from March last year. So, um, yeah, that was that was when he got clamped. And, and obviously the games in season are there as well. But I know what you mean. He's, he's just an incredibly hard one. We'll talk about him because there's, you know, there's not a stack of other players in Collingwood in that premium category, Harmy. Your final thoughts on Nick Dacos and what, you know, Louis just given us laid out the the land for the potential tag. You I remember you mentioned on Hawthorne podcast, you don't think Finn McGuinness maybe not a regular in the Hawthorne side this year, but could they bring him up just for this matchup anyway? Oh, absolutely. You have to say that he's um, got the upper hand at the minute, Finn, in that battle. Um, twice last season, he frustrated him and kept him to a low score. So I think that's probably a fair assumption that's going to happen. Another thing about Dacos, he's, I mean, he's a great player, um, but he, he sort of does accumulate a lot of touches, doesn't he? So, I mean, that's that's got to be the, the go. If teams want to um, shut down the pies, then they're going to be running a tag on him, I would have thought. And all season, last season, even now, the media was screaming, when's anybody going to put a clamp on him? And it didn't really occur too much, but uh, sometimes it does just overcorrect itself the following year. Uh, something I want to ask you, boys, is uh, as people that coaches that aren't starting Nick Dacos at least at this point what is the plan of action to actually bring him into your side because we're under the assumption that this guy is going to be uh, the top yeah. averaging defender yeah yeah so you're going to want him at some point he's a captain option as well uh, but have you guys had a thought about how you're actually going to get him into your side post round six or seven yeah I don't a... think that far ahead oh I do <laughs> Uh, mate, we we do it every season. Like you, these these top uh, line players, they're, they're all achievable at some point during the season. And for me, it's probably just going a straight swap from Elliot Yo to Nick Dacos after that period that you spoke to, and Elliot Yo's popped, and he's averaging a hundred. I'll just go straight across. <laughs> and but does it have to be an Elliot Yo as well? Is what I'm thinking. We've got. Dan Curtin, who's going to be in probably 50% of sides, and he's got that deaf mid status. So if you were a coach that had a Wardlaw, for example, he's probably the it guy at the moment. You do have that DPP flexibility to uh, trade out or put some money on top of his head and use a little bit of DPP to work your way. Uh, the, the other thing that I've been looking at too is uh, some of those round uh, six uh, sorry, is it round five? When do the Tigers have their buy round, boys? Is it round six or five? Uh, but point being that six. there's a round six. So there's a nice jump off point for me with Jaden Short there, I think. So post the Port Adelaide game, if there is a tag, uh, Jaden Short underpriced based on his own merit, I believe. But you could 
uh, play the fixture game a little bit like how people are talking about a Tom Green in those first two rounds and then jumping off to a Sam Walsh. Potentially that action could be applied with a Jaden Short, assuming he is near enough top six, jumping off into a Nick Dacos as well. Yeah, yeah, no, look, seriously, Lou, when I didn't answer your question properly before, what what you would do is if you're starting mid-price players, I'm, I'm going to use a um, Heath Chapman, say, and oh, I don't know, another one, not Paddy Dow, but somebody like that in the midfield. Jack Bowes. If you've got, if you've got um, one of the two mid-price players uh, and you're getting to that point, I think you said around six or seven based on the timing of what you said there, it's going to be a good point where your Heath Chapman type is maxed out and maybe your other uh, mid-pricer as well. You go one down to a, the next available rookie who's about to start popping and then you'll go... Um, Chapman straight up to Dacos. It's something like that, but we need a lot to play out between now and then. All right, that's enough on Nick Dacos. Plenty to talk about. I think the other, the, the last scary thing probably and potential where we could all get burned if we don't start him is that 42% total CBA average for um, Nick Dacos in terms of centre bounce attendances, getting inside in the midfield for his season average was 42%. You've got guys like Pendles up at 65%, Tom Mitchell getting a bit older at 57%. If he just becomes pure mid straight off the bat, maybe he comes out and pops a, a few 130 straight off the in a row and like his work rate just breaks those tags. Let, let's wait and see. The other most popular pick for the Pies, Finlay McRae, 19.4% owned, Harmy, $310,000 forward. Um, you know, there's some thought maybe he also fills that void of a few of the older players in there, maybe comes in for some midfield time. Uh, look, it's definitely, you know, the writing's on the wall with that one because um, he's stuck around. Like, he has shown some faith with them to stay on their list when he potentially could have gone to other suitors. Um, McRae, Fly McRae talked him up at the end of last season. He got he some did. sort of award at their BNF, didn't he? So, um you know, Taylor Adams out, Finn McRae in. But it's not really going to be like that, is it? I mean, they brought in Lockie Schultz and Finn McRae is still a borderline best 22 player. But, I mean, every fantasy coach, I think, is is happy with uh, the idea of Finn McRae. He's a forward priced at 310. Um, and if he has a best 22 position, uh, particularly if he's anywhere near that midfield, he could definitely um, be a really good cash riser for us this season. Let's look at the top averaging players from last year at the Pies, obviously spoken at nauseum about Nick Dacos already, but I think it was a worthy discussion there, 50% owned to really dive deep into that 109 average. The next best average was his brother, Josh Dacos at 94.7. So second best average, about 14 points worse uh, than the number one there, Dacos, Lou any interest in Josh Dacos? And furthermore, Tom Mitchell, who came in at three with a 92 average, any interest in any anyone other than Nick Dacos in that premium, guys? Uh, not particularly, mate. Uh, Josh Dacos, 95 averaging uh, wingman. Wingman put a bit of a bad taste in fantasy coaches' mouths these days, and I wouldn't be surprised if that 95 average was the highest of all the wingmen. Absolutely phenomenal season, Uh from a fantasy perspective, you know, 95, but more so a football perspective, all Australian. I just wonder where the upside is now. I think, uh, if anything, is probably uh, he's either going to continue along the way or regress without a major role change here. But uh, Tom Mitchell as well, you know, he was he was getting the job done and he doesn't need to be that guy who 
constantly pigs around for those cheap marks and cheap touches. Uh, Collingwood's not that sort of um, game style. I think they rely a lot more on a Jordan Goey than what uh, they do a Tom Mitchell, and that just wasn't the case when we did see the pig uh, playing around in the style at Hawks a couple of years ago. Let's look at some of the rookie options then, Harmy. You've been a big Nathan Kruger fan this preseason at mm. 261,000 ruck forward there. Massive uh, Nathan Kruger fan, a believer. But um, the, the thing about him is he got injured. Uh, would you believe that? Um so look, I look only because um, we had McStay going out, and they talked about Kruger as being one of those options, um, along with um, Ash Johnson and a couple of others. Well, actually, one of the others um, in that forward line that's interesting is I think it was Reef McKinnis kicked five goals the other day in one of the intra club games. Um, I'm not sure who was lining up against him, but he's a two hundred eighty five thousand forward, I think, as well. So he he may be worth a look. Ed Allen. Um, yeah, they've got a few options. But once again, these are the premiers. Um, not like there's a heap of spots just opening up. These guys are going to have to put in some pretty awesome performances to be able to crack a spot in the team. And what's their chances of holding down a spot once they get it? Jacob Ryan's another one. Um, yeah, I mean, some good players there that are sort of the next in, but the opportunity has got to be there as well. Yeah, uh, Jacob Ryan, by the way, a $200,000 defender that a lot of coaches wanted to hear about um, on the socials there. So average 72 in the VFL last year, 14 games. But um, I know he came up for one game last year, scored 19 points, presumably. I think he was he the sub that game, I think. Um, anyway. Yeah, no, nah, yeah, he, yeah, I think he was. That's the thing, though. Like, so Noble couldn't get a game. Yeah. Um, mm. You know, where's Jacob Ryan sick compared to him? I would have thought he's down, down the order. So Johnson, as you mentioned as well, slightly different player. So, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting for some of those rookies, isn't it, Harmy? Even some, uh, you know, you touched yeah. on it. There's big concerns for me even with a Finn McRae. I, I can see how we can find a way into that midfield, but uh, particularly, but with some of these names being thrown about that, you, that you've mentioned too, like a Reef McInnes and Ed Allen, they're all getting a little bit of hype. Uh, you just, oh, it just smells really vesty. And when you're paying 310k for a rookie, uh, it's just, and there's a buy in there, it just puts you a little bit off. But yeah, it's tough. You might want to look for value in those um, rebuilding sides for those rookies. It, yeah, it's. Yeah, it's going to be a tough one. But if Finn McRae, like you said as well, Harmy, um, has got a role, he's probably definitely the one that stands off the page in that bracket. Um, the points of difference for Collingwood, as we said, uh, Nick Dacos really up there in terms of being the clear out-and-out guy there. But they have clearly a star-studded cast that got the job done for them. Jordan Degoe at 783,000, only had an 87 average last year. Harmy, is there maybe some value? Well, that's all he needs to be, though, isn't he? Like, I think there was a point in time when they saw him as having to be everything. He's got to be the accumulator. He's got to do the defensive work. He's got to be the burst player. But now I think that they're comfortable with him being that um, forward that pinches. It's like he gets a fair few CBAs, but he's that burst out of stoppage, and that's that's a good result for the team. Fits their system, and they were successful. So why change it? Similar to like a Jack Crisps, Lou, he's been a fantasy stud for many years, but was down at 83 average, um, $748,000 it's going to cost you to get Jack Crisp, was always a fantasy 
stud for many years, but in this game plan, you know, I guess not. <laughs> yeah, he's a bit in between Jack Crisp uh, in terms of halfback and midfield. And when you're coming in priced at 83, you really want to spin a narrative on where there is upside. And I'm just not sure where to put my chips. Is he going to be playing midfield? Is he going to be more in that halfback role? And as you mentioned, the overarching fact there is that Collingwood just aren't a massively um, massive fantasy scoring side. So Jack Crisp definitely took advantage of the Nathan Buckley system, and we can see why he was able to to reach such high ceilings and to average uh, pretty consistently above 95. But now in this system, I uh, I'm just not sure where he lies. And um, yeah, what about you, Harmy? Are, are you keen on Jack Crisp? Uh, I think that he's probably worth a look in a um, draft comp because I've got a feeling he'd go back. I think that, you know, they pushed him through that midfield, but he doesn't need to be that midfield in their team anymore. So I wouldn't be surprised if he goes back and gets defensive status and he's not a bad scorer. But I guess there's a little, you know, there's a bit to that, isn't there, that's got to play out to be successful. But, um, you know... I think that that's probably worth a shout. Yeah, good shout. Uh, let's talk about three forwards to finish off for the Pies here. Is any of these guys in a forward line dire options? We've mentioned it a few times. Lockie Schultz, the uh, the new arrival, KD, coming across the new chapter at uh, at the Pies. Harmy, maybe a Lockie Schultz. Um, a favourite of mine, Paddy Lipinski, is real cheap at 629000 uh, and Bo McCreary, who I've seen play a little bit through the midfield this preseason, as we see every player just about get some inside minutes at 473000 bucks. But any Collingwood value forwards tempt you there, Harmy, and then maybe throw to Lou for his thoughts. Oh, out of those that you've listed, mate, it'd probably be McCreary only because he's at the cheapest price point. But I think that there's going to be other forwards that you'll find available between that four hundred to five hundred thousand dollar price bracket that are going to be better picks. Um, yeah, I think Lockie Short's max price based on his um, top season last year. So, nah, I'm not really inclined to to look at any of those three, to be honest, mate. Lou, interest? Yeah. In any of the value? Uh, I'm not sure where to see Lockie Schultz. I think I'll revert back to that Collingwood game style. I'll look at someone like a Jamie Elliott, who's an absolute star. He only went at 66, and uh, it's important to remember too. Schultz is pretty much coming out of one of the one of our favourite fantasy sides in Fremantle because they do play uh, a little bit slower football. So. At 78, maybe he can replicate that, but I tend to think that there's a little bit of a regression there. Uh, Paddy Lipinski, I'm just not sure where he sits anymore. I'm not even convinced he's uh, best 22 week in, week out. His ball use leaves a lot to be desired, and he might be that guy that uh, Collingwood employs the sub a little bit more often than not. And Bo McCreary, but I just think he's a really valuable forward. I think Jordan Degoe brings something in that midfield that Bo does as well, so I'm not sure that uh, he's going to be getting substantial amount of midfield time. He didn't really get any last year. One game he popped with 30%, which was pretty much his his top, uh, top CBA getting game. That was in round 21 when Nick Dacos got injured. He only went at 61, so not a lot of data there, but uh, I think you'd have to see something significant from a Bo McCreary, but... From all reports, he's burning up the track. So we, we always hear that about footy players, don't we, this time of year. But, uh, yeah, 473K, it's really awkward. 100K less than I think we'd be talking. That is going to do it for our team preview series. It's been 
quite the marathon for the lads here. We are finally done with it. But um, we made look, it. if you did enjoy it, <laughs> if you did, yeah, if you did enjoy these team preview series, make sure you're following along on Spotify, subscribed on Apple, wherever you listen, so you know when our latest episodes are coming out. I know with the next ones that's coming up is Holmes. He's already recorded his latest episode of the Holmes Files, where he's going to be doing some interview stuff there. So keep an eye out for that one. Also be following along at PodPodAFL on X, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok. Um, just get around us on the socials as well. But really appreciate you listening along. Leave those ratings, leave those reviews. They really help us out. And uh, we will continue with just regular scheduled programming next week. So that'll be a bit of a bit of a refreshing take for us, lads. I think I'm really looking forward to that one. We've got an exciting podcast for you. So stay tuned to all things pod pod hope you enjoyed the series and uh we'll be seeing you again soon thank you for listening very well pulling up to mickey d's just for drinks oh yeah that's me nothing extra just perfection and a straw coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.